Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, a senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Come on. Yeah, how good. Hey, I love Rise and Stand. I love that this year we're making space for encounter because who knows, it's great to hear teaching from the Word of God. We need to be hearing that right, but also we need an encounter with God, you know, a touch of God. And so really Rise and Stand is going to make room and space for that in men's lives. And uh, there's such power. What I love about Rise and Stand is when the men gather, there's something powerful in that. You know, there's great company, great food, come on, and, uh, and we have a great time. So I really want to encourage you, be a part of that. Grab your ticket if you haven't done so already, but also, if you have got a ticket, hey, why don't you get one for a friend? Why don't you just believe for a friend, a relative, someone in your world to come along and be a part of that? I know they'll be blessed from it. And I love that every year at Rising Sand, we, say, we see many men making a first-time decision to invite God into their life. And so how cool is that? So you can be a part of that by inviting someone. So why don't you do that? It's going to be awesome. Hey, I want to unpack for you a passage of Scripture tonight. It's a well-known passage of Scripture, so if you're a Christian, don't switch off when we get into this because I want to bring something out of it I think is going to really help you and I. And I want to talk to you about, the, it's often called the parable of the lost son. And it's in, it's in the book of Luke in the Bible. And we're going to read it together before I unpack it. And if you've got a Bible or you've got a Bible app, why don't you turn with me? We'll read it together. It's the parable of the lost son. It's Luke 15. And I'm going to read from verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. The son saying, hey, give me my inheritance. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Wild living, you can insert there your description of wild living. I've got some good ideas what that might involve. <laughs> After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. You've got to get this. This is a Jewish boy who's gone to work to look after pigs. Pigs are unclean. Jewish people won't eat pigs, right? It's unclean. Now he's the servant of a pig. So it's talking about, wow, that's a rock bottom. That's a rock bottom. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Love this next line. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? spare, And here I am starving to death. I'm going to set out. I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I'll sin against heaven and against you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine that was dead is alive again. He who was lost, who is found. So they began to celebrate. This is incredible 
what's happening. The son has rejected the father. He said, give me what you give me my inheritance before you even die. He basically said, I wish you were dead. Right? He goes off, he wastes everything. And when he comes back, it says the father's looking out for him the whole time, just waiting to love him, waiting to accept him, waiting to forgive him. This is a picture of how God sees you and I. This is a picture of how God reacts to you and I. No matter where we go, no matter how far from God we go, we can always make a decision, how I'm going to come home to a loving father who's going to accept me. And you may not have had a great father in the natural, but let me tell you, you've got a great supernatural father. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he, came, so he called one of the servants and he asked him, hey, what's going on? And they said, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and ne- never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fan calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Often this passage of Scripture is often in our Bibles titled the prodigal son or or something along those lines. But really the title probably should be something like the lost sons because actually in this story there's two sons that are lost. Or maybe the prodigal father, because prodigal really means reckless and extravagant. Reckless and extravagant. You know, and we say the prodigal son because he was reckless and extravagant in how he spent his money in wild living, right? But actually, the father's far more extravagant in how he says to his son, how I forgive everything you've done wrong. Hey, you wish me dead, you took my money and yet, hey, I welcome you back. I love you and I forgive you. There's great extravagance, hey, and there's recklessness described as the Father's love, which is really the love of God towards you and I. You know, reckless or extravagant is to spend until you have nothing left. To spend until you have nothing left. The Father in the story is reckless in the way He receives His younger son. He doesn't hold His wrong against Him. He doesn't demand payment. You know, but the father's also is, is reckless in response to the older brother's reaction to him. So when the older brother has a strop and basically says, I ain't coming to the party because you're basically celebrating him who's basically done wrong, but I'm this kind of good person who's done everything right. The father leaves the party and goes to the son and begs him to come in. That would have been humbling in his community and in that time. You wouldn't have done that. You know, when it says the father runs to the son, that was reckless. In, in that culture, older men did not run. They would have had to have picked up, they would have worn something that really was almost like a, a dress, you know, like a long piece of fabric. It goes like this. They would have had to pull that up to run. That would have not looked dignified in any shape or form, right? But he does not care because so great is his love. And in the same way, when he leaves the, his own party that he's hosting to go out and beg his older son to come in. The shame of that he laid aside because his heart is for the older son and his heart, listen, is for the younger son. So whether you are someone who has done everything right or whether you are someone who has done everything wrong, the love of God and the pursuit of God after you is exactly the same. 
Exactly the same. Some people think, I'll come to church when I got it all together. Friend, you'll never get it together without God, so you're never going to become in a church. You hear what I'm saying? And other people think, you know, oh yes, I deserve to be in church because I'm such a great person. Now you're both, both wrong. <laughs> both wrong. <laughs> come on. Come on. That's what this passage is really talking about. So we're going to unpack this. We're going to look at it. I really um, was impacted by a book by an author called Timothy Keller called The Prodigal God. And this really inspired this message. So if you like this message, you get something out of it, why don't you grab that book? You can get it on uh, audio book or you can, you can get it in you know, regular book, um, Timothy Keller. <laughs> what do you call a normal book, right? Come on, a reading book. You can get a reading book. So, so he's talking about two types of people. Two types of people in this story. In the Bible, Jesus always talks about two kinds of people. The first group he, do, he calls tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors and sinners. I like the way he puts tax collectors and sinners in the same basket. But basically, he says that these, these people, they're younger brother types. You know, they left home in that they abandoned the morality of their family and of respectable society. And within culture, you'd always find this type of person. The second group are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And these are the second group of people that you'll always find in society. They're people who were represented by the elder brother character. They held to the tradition of their upbringing. They studied and obeyed, you know, the rules and the requirements. And, you know, in their situation, they worshipped and they prayed constantly. In society from Jesus' time to today, there's always been older brother types and younger brother types. You know, often you'll see them in the same family. So in my family, I'm the younger brother type. You know, I was kind of, did not study at school. You know, basically, you know, wasted all the money I ever got. You know, basically drunk alcohol, took drugs, you know, and was promiscuous. You know, and I kind of lived a hedonistic lifestyle and I went kind of, I went off travelling around the world to find myself, you know. And I was, I was that person. I was the younger brother. But my sister was the older brother. She, she, did, she tried really hard at school. She worked super hard. It always said on her reports, you know, tries her best with me. It said always, you know, underachiever. You know, <laughs> it always does the best. You know, she stayed at home until she met someone. She was careful who she dated. She had boundaries and she was smart in that area. You know, she really complied and I was the rebel. You know, and in society and in families, you'll often see these two types of people, as I'm saying it, maybe right now you know who you are. I will not ask you to raise your hand if you are the younger brother type. But you hear what I'm saying? There's two types of people and Jesus is speaking to two types of people. The first seeks legitimacy, the older brother through hard work and moral compliance. The second seeks freedom from perceived rigidity and hypocrisy. And they stress freedom from convention and personal autonomy. You'll always see these types of people in life and it's, the, it's what Jesus is speaking to. It says in verse 11 to 12, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of this estate. So he divided his property between them. He was probably a teenager. He probably wasn't married, but he didn't want to wait for his inheritance. And so he basically says, hey, give me what I'm owed now. You know, and I mean, imagine saying that. Imagine going to your parents and going, listen, Give me what I'm going to get when you die. <laughs> you know, it, you know it's, it's a shocking thing to say, right? He says, give me it. I don't want your authority over me. I want to make my own choices and decisions. I want to live for myself. Really, he rejects the Father's love. 
His actions are saying, ultimately, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead. I just want what you can give. I don't want you. He doesn't say it verbally, but his actions speak loudly. Dad, you mean nothing to me. Verse 13, it says, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. He cashed in on his inheritance and then promptly blew it, you know. The son's inheritance would have likely included land and cattle. But the phrase, not many days later, the son gathered all he had, shows the son converted it into cash. So basically his, his father, to split his estate, would have been complicated in those times. It would have been cattle, it would have been land, but he, he then sold that to get what he could, probably sold it cheap, got the money together and went off to live his own life. The son didn't want the inheritance the father had planned for him. What the father had for him is, hey, what I'm going to give you is going to set you up and your kids and your kids' kids. I'm going to set you up with property and land and cattle and income and you're going to prosper. But he doesn't take that. He thinks I know better. So interesting how you and I want to live by our will rather than God's will. Heavenly Father, He knows what's best for you and I. He's got a great plan and a destiny lined out. He's got everything we need set out. But we say, no, 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 God, my will. Let's do it my way, please. I think I know better. (laughs) Come on. God has a great inheritance for us, but we can squander it, living life according to our plan rather than His. He squandered His property in wild living, wild times, hedonistic lifestyle, drink, drugs, prostitutes. I don't know, but He was living wild, right? It's all about me. You know, the theme tune of his life was, It's all about me, Jesus, and all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. It's not about you. Come on, come on. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. He's saying, give it to me. I know I'm going to run this show. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be best looking after myself. You know, he's, he's about me, myself, I. Me, myself, I. You know, God gives us gifts. He gives us talents. He gives us finance. He gives us a career if we'll let Him. He gives us health. He gives us a family. And that all that's good ultimately comes from God. All that's good ultimately comes from God. And God wants, you to, wants to bring good things into our lives. And He wants us to thank Him and acknowledge Him for His provision. He wants us to use all that He's given us to help people and to honour God and and to bless us. But so often, just like the younger brother, we think, I think my way's better. I think I know better than God. (laughs) It's crazy, but it's so true. You know, and I wish I could say to you, well, I'm a pastor and that never happens to me. But the reality is this, I'm regularly tested on, will I trust God? Oh, I'm gonna do it in my strength. You know, I, I don't live perfectly in the will of God. I'm bouncing out of it into my own will all the time. And I'm having to get back into the will of God. Any other humans here? Come on. The aim of life is to live for God and to serve others. And we find peace, joy, love, grace and satisfaction as we do that. But yet there's this pull to this younger brother kind of living that says, hey, I live for myself. I do it my way. It's going to all be good. The older brother. Now, the older brother appears so different on the surface to the younger brother. The older brother stays home, works for his father. It seems he loves the father. It seems that he's happy to serve him. 
When the younger brother comes home and the father receives him and forgives him and throws a huge party because his son's come home safe and sound, when the older brother hears the music and the dancing, he asks what's happening. And when a servant says to him, hey, your younger brother's come home, your father's throwing a party, instead of being excited, he gets, he gets upset. Listen to the older brother's response. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. The son's refusal, it's bringing shame upon the father, you know. But he says this, he answers his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? The older brother, rather than celebrating the father's joy that the younger brother is back, becomes angry and resentful towards his father and to his brother. You see, the older brother really is like the younger in that really he's only interested in what he can get from the father. But he wants to get it through. I'm gonna do everything right. I'm gonna please him. I'm gonna do the right thing. But for that, he should give me something. He owes me something. Their behaviour is different, but really their rebellion is the same. The younger son's rebellion is blatant. The older brother's is far more subtle. Characteristics of an older brother. Anger at the grace the younger brother's received. He shouldn't be getting the party. He should be getting punished. Why is he being blessed? I should be after all I've done for God. <laughs> You know, that's the, that's the spirit of the older brother. If you've got an older brother spirit, you get jealous of position. Why has that person been given that position so quickly? Why did they get promoted? I should have been promoted. I've been here longer than they've been here. Why are they getting that opportunity in church? I should be getting that opportunity. Why, why are they playing guitar on stage? I applied, I didn't get the, didn't get the opportunity. We can be jealous, an older brother spirit can be jealous of financial provision. Instead of being so excited at someone else's blessing, they think, why is that not happening to me? I've faithfully worked hard. I've trusted God, but God hasn't done that for me. Jealous of relationship. Man, how come they're getting married before me? I've been faithfully waiting, serving God. It's my turn, right? That's an older brother spirit. You know, how come that person just falls pregnant when their husband looks at them? But I basically... I'm not getting pregnant. Yeah, I've done everything right before God. How come their kids are going on with God? Well, they're shocking parents. The reason the elder brother is unable to celebrate the father's love and blessing for the younger son is because the older son does not really love the father. His love is for what the father can give him. When the father stops giving, the son stops loving. Sometimes God will stop giving to show your heart, to show my heart, right? Because it's all easy to follow God when God's blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, blessing me, right? But there can be times when God withholds to say, hey, what's your motive really? Are you into me because of what I give you or are you into me because of who I am? Come on. The older brother spirit gets self-worth from status. 
The older brother's desire is to live righteously, not only to please the father, but rather to gain a self-worth and a value. I'm living right. The older brother's spirit needs constant affirmation, is crushed at the slightest criticism. Because the older brother's worth is in his position. He needs constant affirmation. He's crushed if anyone criticises him in any way. You know, man, I identify with some of this, do you? (laughs) It's challenging, hey, come on. The older brother's spirit is ruthlessly competitive, competitive, but but subtly. (laughs) Because an older brother's self-worth is built on status and achievements, he is secretly ruthlessly competitive. If someone does better than him, he's crushed by that. Come on. Anger that things are not going my way is another characteristic of having that kind of older brother spirit. There's a deep underlying simmering anger in the heart of an older brother because he's trying to control life through his righteous living and it's not working. It's not working. Who knows when you try and control it, it don't work. You cannot control it. You cannot control people, places and things. I've had a good go at it. Let me tell you, it does not work. And so we can be frustrated because people aren't doing what we want, when we want, how we want. We live in resentment rather than freedom. Older brothers can, be, can easily become younger brothers too. The older brother's anger is internalised and hidden, but it can sometimes burst out in the most crazy behaviour. And you'll see this with people. They look very religious on the outside and then they do something that you cannot believe that they did. Because really, they're just the same spirit of the younger brothers in them, but it's just hidden by religious behaviour and performance. You know, I once was a younger brother and the grace of God set me free, right, from that. But I need to be careful now that I don't become an older brother and eventually return to being a younger brother. Hello, hello. You know, God set me free. I've been clean 23 years. Wow, miracle, miracle. Come on, come on. But the reality is this, if I don't keep surrendering to God, if I can't keep saying, God, your way, not mine be done, your will, not mine be done, I'll be in that pattern of older brother, young brother, soon as. That's my natural disposition, right? It's just the grace of God is helping me and helping you to live different. Older brothers are not motivated by love for God, but rather they're motivated by love for self and the things that God can give them. There's a novel by Flannery O'Connor, it's called Wise Blood and it has this character in it called Hazel Motes. And it says this, that that there was a deep black worldless conviction, wordless conviction in him that the way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. It's a profound insight. What it's saying is that ultimately, if you've got it all together, you don't need God. And if you've really got it all together, you don't need God. And so sometimes it can be harder for the older brother type person to find God than it can for the younger. So for me, man, I've been a heroin addict. Man, I've done a whole load of crime. You know, I've been locked in a few jail cells. You know, I've got a few people after me, right? My family ain't speaking to me. You know, I've burnt a lot of bridges, right? And so it's very easy for me to understand, yeah, I think I'm a sinner. (laughs) I think I need God. But if I've lived my life trying to do everything right, and I think I've done a pretty good job of it, it can be very hard for me to receive the grace and the mercy of God because I can't even see that I need it because I'm blinded by my own self-righteousness. And so pride is much more dangerous to the human condition than any kind of bad behaviour. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's what he's talking about. 
That's what God's warning us about. That's what Jesus is trying to challenge us about. He's saying, hey, don't just look at the outside, let's look at the inside. And I love this because that's what Jesus is concerned about. He's interested in your heart and my heart. That's why someone can come in with the most terrible you know, background and yet they come to you, God will just accept them in a second, love on them bless them, help them, change them. They'll start to get free from what's held them, addictions and other things. And then there can be other people that come in and their life looks good. They've got some things together, you know, and yet they won't surrender to God. They don't come into that life-changing relationship, you know. The mercy and grace of God stops the younger son before he can list his sins And the same God of mercy and grace leaves the feast to go out and invite their older son in. So here's the deal. God's after both types of people. God's welcoming both types of people. Sometimes God jumps on us like the younger son and we have a sharp and immediate sense of God's love. That was my experience. But sometimes God quietly and patiently argues with us. Even though we turn away, like in the case of the older son, he persistently keeps on whispering to us and going after us. And, and there's, there's, there's a deeper type of repentance. The Bible talks about repentance. And repentance just means change. It just means I'm going one way, I'm, going, I'm now going another. It's like doing a 180 degree turn. And repentance is deeper than a list of sins. You know, the list approach is not sufficient to address the condition of the elder brother. You know, so I can, I can do an inventory of my wrongs. I've done, I've done inventories of my wrongs, right? I can do inventories of my wrongs. That's okay, that's okay. There's a place for that. That's a great thing to do. And, we, and I think it's totally appropriate to say, God, would you forgive me for my list of sins, right? But the elder brother is lost and has excluded himself from the feast of his father's love. Yet he has almost nothing to put on the list. Almost nothing to put on the list. So the list approach cannot be the way only to God right? Can it? I've never disobeyed you, says the older brother. So, so I guess, so stage one of repentance, if you like, is the list. So let's do the list. Let's put them down. Some are going to have a lot of things. Some aren't going to have many. But the older brother can repent. Even though his list is small, he can repent of the sin and have great remorse and yet still remain an elder brother because his repentance is just another way of earning God's salvation. So like, I've gone through the tick box of asking God to forgive me, so all good, right? It, but really, let's look at it. So, so that's stage one, if you like, of repentance. I've done my list, I've asked God to forgive me. Stage two, what is keeping the older brother from the party and of salvation? He's not a lack of remorse for his bad deeds. He is remorseful for that. But it is his pride in his good deeds. That's what's keeping him out of the party. Yeah. Crazy, hey? Crazy. The older brother's problem is self-righteousness and how he uses his moral record to put God and others in his death to control them and to give and get them to do what he wants. His spiritual problem is radical insecurity that comes from basing his self-image on achievements and performance. Achievements and performance. Do you base your worth on achievements and performance? Do you rate yourself and your value upon what you've achieved? The elder brother, he's got to repent, say, God, I'm sorry for his motive for doing good things. (laughs) He's repented of the fact that his good works have never been primarily to please God, but to gain moral standing with the Father and people, thus getting what he wants by controlling God and man. Hey, who does it cost to forgive 
the younger son. Who does it cost? Well, there's two other parables that come around this parable of the lost son. There's a parable of the lost sheep and there's a parable of the lost coin. In both of those parables, someone searches. So someone searches for the lost sheep till they find it. Someone searches for the lost coin until they find it. But in this story, no one searches for the younger brother. Why is that? Why is that? That's because the older brother should have done that. The father couldn't do it. He was too elderly. He couldn't go off and start searching for the young brother. The older brother should have stepped up and said, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to bring him home. There's a guy called Edmund Clowney and he recounts a true story of a young man who was a US soldier missing in action in the Vietnam War. When the family could not get word of him through official channels, the oldest son flew out to Vietnam, searched the jungle and the battlefields of Vietnam to rescue, risking his life, sorry, searching for his lost brother. And it talks about that this, this is a true story, that despite the danger, he was never hurt because those, those on both sides heard of his dedication and respected his quest. Some of them called him simply the brother, the brother. So the older brother in the Bible should have been like that brother. He should have said, hey, I'm gonna go out and get him. I'm gonna go and find him. I'm gonna convince him to come home. Man, that's a great picture, hey, that you and I, when we're walking with God, when people stumble or go away, we need to not be going, oh, look at them. We need to actually be going after them, going, hey, come on, come on, come on. You know, if someone's struggling, someone's had a relapse, right? We need to basically be going to them and saying, hey, come on, come back. Hey, come on, we're still here. Hey, come on, I'm still cheering you on. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. I'm, I'm, I'm actually responsible now to come after you and to bring you home and to bring you home. He should have said, I'm gonna go find my younger brother. And if he's spent all his inheritance, which I expect he has, I will bring him home and I'm gonna share my inheritance with him. In this story, when the younger brother asked for his inheritance, the father divides inheritance between the two sons. But the Jewish custom of the time, the younger son would have got one third and the older son would have got two thirds. It's why the father says in verse 31, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. So what he's saying is, I've given one third away. I've still got two thirds and all of this is coming to you. And so every ring, Every robe, every fattened calf, every sandal belongs really to or is coming to the older brother. And so when the younger brother comes home, it really costs the older brother to extend grace and mercy to him, right? Because ultimately it's, it's the ring that he's gonna get that the father puts on his finger. It's, it's the land that he's gonna get that he gets to live on. It's the sandals that he has that are gonna, you know what I'm saying? It's the calf that belongs to him that's gonna get slaughtered to have the party. Come on. The younger brother could only be brought back at the cost of the older brother. There's no way the younger brother could come back without the older brother paying a cost, paying a price for his mistakes. Mercy and forgiveness have to be free and unmerited to the wrongdoer. And if the wrongdoer had to do something to merit it, then it isn't mercy. It isn't mercy. And mercy is getting, he's not getting what you do deserve. Come on, mercy is not getting what you do deserve, right? And grace is getting what you don't deserve. You know what I'm saying? So God's so good because a lot of bad things that should have come to me, the mercy of God saved me from. And God's given me a lot of things I never should have got that are good, right? So mercy and grace. But forgiveness always comes at the cost of the one granting forgiveness. The younger son's restoration came free to him 
but it came at great cost to the older brother. There's a longingness in humanity for an older brother. Someone who's gonna stand in our place. Someone who's gonna say, hey, your wrongs can be put upon me. I'm gonna, you've wasted everything, I'm gonna give you something. There's something in humanity, we're crying out for that. And sadly in this story, the older brother did not willingly come looking for the lost brother, the younger one. He didn't willingly pay the price to grant the mercy and forgiveness the younger brother so desperately needed because he was his rock bottom right in the pig pen and he goes home begging, right? But Jesus, as He tells this story, He purposefully leaves out a loving older brother. He leaves us longing for a brother who will look for us, find us and pay the price for us to receive mercy and forgiveness. But we do have such a brother and He travelled from a distant land. He came from heaven to earth. His Name is Jesus Christ. Come on, come on, you have a brother. You have a brother. You have an older brother. He came from heaven to earth. He preached and He told the whole world, God loves you, God's for you, God's calling you, God's welcoming you. And He never sinned and yet He died on a cross. For what? For your sins, for my sins. The whole sin of the world was put upon Jesus so that you and I can be completely forgiven, completely set free. Why? Because of the older brother. Why? Because of the older brother. That we can come freely to the Father, freely to God, knowing I'm forgiven, I'm righteous, I'm just as if I never sinned. Come on, come on, I'm just as if. I, I, I need this. I don't know about you, but all the wrong things I've done in my life, right? I need to know, man, I can come to God and I'm completely and utterly forgiven. I can, I can be free. I can be joyful. I can have peace. I can have comfort. Not because of what I've done but because of what Jesus did for me. The message of Jesus is different to all other religions. Christianity is different to all other religions. Every other religion, you do things to earn your way to God. Christianity is the only faith where you can do nothing to earn your way to God. You just need to surrender and accept what Jesus did for you upon the cross. Come on, do you believe it? Come on, stand with me. We're gonna sing, we're gonna worship God together. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.